Hi, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening from wherever you're tuning in from around the world. My name is Brian Suck, and I am the Associate CTO here for Data Engineering and Analytics at SADA. And welcome to this episode of Cloud and Clear. Today with us, we have Blaine from Starista, and I'm just going to toss it over to you immediately just to introduce yourself, let the viewers get to know you a little bit, and tell us a little bit about Starista and what it does. Well, thank you, Brian. It's so great to be here. Um, I'm really looking forward to this. And uh, I will admit at the top of the uh, show, this is not something I do often. So I hope your <laughs> audience will bear with me. But as far as... It'll be uh, good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> all right. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, I'm going to need those affirmations throughout the uh, next 20 minutes or so. But um, yeah, um, at Starista, I oversee our data strategy. And so that um, will... Um, really be everything from the data that we're bringing in uh, to the data that we're sending out on behalf of our clients. Um, so Starista has been around for over 10 years, really got our start in the email space, um, helping brands and uh, Fortune 500 companies with both their customer retention and customer acquisition efforts. So over the years, we have evolved into uh, more services, um, including digital advertising, both display and most recently CTV advertising. So as you can imagine, been really busy learning a lot about a lot of different and new developing data sets. Uh, but that still that core value still remains where we're helping our brand clients or agencies who represent brand clients with their growth and acquisition efforts on the customer side. Gotcha. So I mean, Walk us through that a little bit uh, as in, in whatever level of detail you can around the data. Like, Give us a, for instance, like what kind of data are we talking about and how would a customer actually use that data? Yeah, it's uh, so many different types of data, um, but at the core, what we're attempting to do is to understand who the customers are, um, not at an inv individual Brian or Blaine level, but really at an aggregate level. And so how that usually starts is by looking at everything from demographic data like age, gender, um, interests, uh, any auto ownership, um, life events, everything you can think of where a data signal is generated. Um, that's what we are bringing together, um, sort of like the old phone book where you have a name and postal address, uh, but we're doing that on a national scale. And the idea is whenever we begin work with a brand or client, uh, what we want to do first is establish that we understand your customer. Here's what we believe um, the customer demographic is, the interests, kind of what makes them tick. And then we'll put that in front of the uh, brand that we're working with and just say, does this sound like your customer? And that's usually kind of the jumping off point to um, no, the customer is actually um, the parent of, of these individuals. Um, so um, take, for instance, a hair salon. Um, most of their customers, they believe to be uh, men of a certain age, say 24 to 35. But what they found um, by doing this analysis is that, no, uh, the bulk of your customers are kids and teens where um, the mom is taking them to the salon. And so we need to tailor our creative, our messaging, all of those considerations to the actual decision maker in the process. So it's just those 
conversation starters um, by leveraging data to drive creative decisions, drive strategy decisions, whether it's um, the channel that we're using, the frequency, or uh, any of the things you could think of, the time of day, all of those are data points that we capture, collect, and leverage on behalf of our clients. Yeah, and I could see that. I could see that problem for for any one of your clients getting bigger as their customer base starts to grow, and their growth prospects start to get even bigger. Then they need to figure out what the next bigger batch of customers is going to be. So under, I could see how that. Uh, you know, the more the bigger your customer prospect base is, the harder that problem becomes, and that's where the data becomes infinitely more important, right? Yes, absolutely. So, um, kind of a, a natural transition into uh, how we got connected um, with uh, SADA and um, the cloud environment that we're using. So, we have a number of brands who trust us with their data, and part of that is making sure that the data is kept separate from the Starista data operations and only joined on keys that can uh, remain anonymized, protect the data from being mixed in. And so uh, with that comes a lot of data costs and a lot of processes because we're doing uh, a number of bespoke uh, tasks on behalf of our customers um, to make sure that their first party data is in great shape when it comes time to activate it. So um, it could be as much as just um, doing a frequency report for how often we see the customers um, uh, at, at a given location. So again, going back to the salon, um, we know that we see a purchase made every four to six weeks. Um, so taking that insight and uh, being able to apply it uh, dynamically on a daily basis to drive our decisions means a lot of data is moving around and has to be secure, and we can't um, do it in an inefficient manner. Otherwise, we're never going to be able to charge enough for the work that we're doing. So understanding optimization efforts, um, best practices, just because it is a, a learning experience for us has been really where we've grown the most in the last two years. Gotcha. Yeah. And the cost, the costing is absolutely important because if your operating costs and the cloud costs become too prohibitive, then, you know, if it outpaces the revenue, then that's no good for anybody. <laughs> so, uh, the, and a question around your usage of Google products in general, uh, like what are some of the key tools that you use to support this platform? And what are some of the, I guess, what are some of the benefits that, you've seen coming out of it. And I'm curious to hear your perspective on how that contrasts to when you first started and first evaluating GCP before anything was built. Like, is it, has some of these predictions that at evaluation time panned out? Have they, have they exceeded your expectations? Have they fallen short in other ways? Just what's, what's your general thoughts on that? Um, yeah, so that's a great question. There's uh, quite a bit to unpack there. So I'm going to attempt to answer it and you can uh, correct me at any time if I go too far off track. Uh, but what initially brought us to the GCP um, was BigQuery. Um, prior to uh, working on BigQuery, uh, we did most of our work uh, in uh, MS SQL and offline servers. And so Right away, you know that uh, running a statement or a query against a table in BigQuery versus on a, a server is just uh, night and day. Things that would take us 
four hours to complete. And if we did it wrong, then it's another four hours. Those did get completed in like 10 minutes. So, uh, so hopefully you get to ask a little bit more than two questions a working day. <laughs> that's right. So it, it yeah. was, uh, it's pretty embarrassing looking back on it. Now we'd have five tabs open of five processes that we were hoping we had right. And when it completed, then we would find out if we did, there's nothing worse than waiting that five hours and then seeing zero results because somebody uh, forgot to capitalize <laughs> something, but, uh, that's, yeah. that's now in the past. Uh, thankfully, yeah, I think um, that's the world that everyone in data was working with a decade ago, right? It's just all the, all the, all the server constrained resources that you had on a physical box and then just these new cloud native technologies is just worlds apart. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it is something where there's always that cost benefit uh, and uh, big queries, especially helpful because you know exactly how many dollars you're going to be spending to execute this one query. So uh, kind of nerve wracking, especially for our new employees. I always like to tease them whenever they do it. Uh, don't, don't, uh, don't run a thousand dollar query and we'll be fine. But, uh, that, that, that can't happen. Um, but, uh, as far as other, um, processes and, um, tools within the GCP suite, um, I, I think there are applications across the board with just the large storage buckets. Um, whenever we have things that we're thinking about, but not ready to activate, we can leverage the storage buckets. I think that there are practical applications for programs like Looker who have that have been integrated in a big part of what we do to position our products. Remember at the top uh, of the show, I mentioned the understanding the customers. What we try to do is visualize um, our understanding of the customer through the use of graphs and charts. So being able to uh, leverage a visualization uh, software to put those in front of the clients and help them understand because uh, I, I'm told all the time, nobody understands what, what it means to say that this audience is 10% over index on age category, but 50% under on gender. So helps just to show that, uh, um, visually and, um, get the conversation started. That's what we're really after. Um, with that and with the ability to bring in data really quickly, as I mentioned, we, can bring in large data sets that we don't understand and we do have to do a lot of trial and error. That's kind of my specialty is uh, try it, run it, see why it failed and run it again. Uh, just continuous iterations and making it work. So um, being able to do that in an efficient way, uh, continually, le continually learning um, just by sharing ideas with an outside party who uh, likely isn't blinded by being too close to the problem is something that I find to be really valuable about our relationship. What are some of the things that initially made you choose both GCP as a platform and SOT as a partner? Like for on the GCP side, was it primarily, you did mention earlier that BigQuery was a large draw. Like, uh, is it, was, was that, and it's okay if it is, but was that really the, the cornerstone of the decision-making process, like focusing everything on BigQuery and then, uh, you know, finding the benefits of the surrounding platform, or was there something else that was drawing you? And how did, uh, how did we at SADA help you in that journey? Um, yeah, so this is, uh, at, like most decisions at uh, businesses our size, it is going to be a decision by committee. There are a lot of people that have a lot better reasons than I do uh, for working <laughs> with SADA. Really, what I need is something that works, and working 
in GCP and working with SADA makes uh, my life a lot easier just because we're focusing on solving customer problems and solving customer challenges. Um, I think that uh, what really drew our larger team in is just um, kind of that uh, consulting, that industry expertise and um, uh, we want to work with um, the people that are part of our, our daily lives. So uh, I'm not sure if this is going too far off the rails, but I use Google everything, slides, uh, docs, Gmail, calendar. Um, I, I The only thing that I'm missing is the, the correct phone, but um, I, I, I gravitate toward what works and um, stay with it. Very loyal until it stops working and a, a better solution emerges. And uh, from my perspective, there's no need to move on because everything's working beautifully. Yeah, we got to get you on that pixel then, sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> but uh so i mean it, it's not far off the rails actually because i mean the the one of the things that we're hearing a lot from 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 customers is about the 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 integration that's starting between things like workspace and gcp especially with bigquery right so the whole connected sheets thing being able to use different tooling to to interrogate the data using interfaces that that lines of business are used to in order to interrogate that data becomes incredibly powerful to shorten that data the uh, data curation and data analytics life cycle so it's no i don't think it's off base at all like that's actually exactly on the head <laughs> yeah you make you make some great points and, and bring me um just kind of popped into my mind a lot of what we do is that uh we enable uh analysts to behave like engineers, engineers to behave like analysts. So um, case in point, most of my team are data analysts and I do have some data engineers, um, but my data analysts have gotten into the habit of building scheduled queries um, to populate and help report um, matchbacks as, an op as part of our standard operation for our DSP. Our DSP we call Adster, um, but uh, something that we can do that I don't think uh, really any other DSPs are doing is bring in some really interesting data and audience insights into that reporting. Um, that's only possible by having analysts that uh, understand what the end goal is, so they build a scheduled query that runs while they're sleeping and then sharing with sheets where our reports are made um, and dynamically populating that. So their time is spent. Um, QAing the results, making sure everything ran as it should have, versus uh, trying to come up with numbers and uh, QAing the, the the numbers and the query that we got there. So that we used to get there. So um, when I say analysts behaving like engineers, um, whenever we do something cool, we go to the engineering team and say, automate this. But uh, with all of the native tools, we're able to um, sort of take that step out in a lot of cases. At the same time, we have engineers that um, are building applications that um, just move quickly, have uh, beautiful interfaces, and are able to um, really work with the team um, and, and make sure that um, the way that the application is talking to uh, GCP is how we intend and um, doing so in a privacy-friendly way. Yeah, so that's actually a topic that I kind of want to get your thoughts on, delving delving a little bit deeper into it because I mean I'm thinking about way back in my first job straight out of college where I was a 
I was an ETL developer and one of the things that I noticed, and this is way back in the, I have a rack in the back closet with Oracle servers on it and Informatica boxes here. And then, you know, a, a reporting tool off on the side and thinking back on my experience personally, the one thing that stuck out to me all these years is the fact is the fact that the entire data exploration life cycle was so I'm trying to think of the right word it, like it was very fragmented and very siloed and and independent of each other so the dbas operate in their own world and manage the data models on their own it was completely separate from the lines of business who were defining the metrics it was very separate from the etl developers who you know just laid down the the plumbing in the middle and not knowing what's going on either side but the the sales pitches of, of the vendors all throughout has always been business IT collaboration, break down those silos and and you know let, let the people who know the data the best interface with it. But for all intents and purposes, that never really became true until really about the last few years, at least in my opinion, where we started seeing this slew of tools where the databases and the the analytics tools and everything they're starting to sort of mesh with each other and uh I'm curious if you have any other thoughts on on both the state of the tooling right now, and we're starting to step a little bit outside of just GCP specifically, but just curious on your thoughts of what you're seeing out in the data world, and if we could rub the crystal ball a little bit, where do you see all this going in the next few, in the next three, five, ten, whatever years? That's uh, that's a really good point, really good question. Um, I think. Um Really what we have to do and why Starista has been so successful is that we do have people who the old saying is wear a lot of hats, Um, people who are interfacing in a lot of different departments, meaning working with marketing, working with sales, working with ops. Um, I I think uh, depending on who you ask at Starista, they might say one of the sales guys or I'm the data expert, which is the the scariest thing to think of if they're calling me the data expert. But um, really what I, what I see is um, being able to um, allow the creators to create. Um, and what I mean by that is take something like ChatGPT. That's outside of what we're discussing today. Uh, but I always, in my meetings, uh, pull it up just to... Um, either showcase it, um, test out ideas, but really what makes that work is whenever you put a creative question in to start it, start it up, um, because you can have it read something and, uh, give you a summary, a book report, but it's not going to help you unless you know the specifics of what you're looking to accomplish and just get out of the way. Um, so that's still going to reward the creative minds. And I think as, um, technology experts, as uh, business people, what we really have to do is um, retain that uh, creative focus and um, leverage the technologies available. Um, Still build those relationships because that's the one thing that uh, I'm hearing is that um, that there is an appetite for AI, but uh, there's no desire to read or learn something that was written by AI. So... um, at the core level, what we're still trying to do is find that way to make a personal connection with who we're looking to reach. Now we can leverage tools that make it easier to fill in the blah, blah, as my salespeople say, or the mumbo jumbo as the uh, analysts and engineers say, but um, really what 
these uh, tools allow us to do is focus on the human element of things, uh, finding out what makes Brian tick and then making sure that's the first thing he reads so he knows that I'm reaching out to Brian and I'm not using an automation tool um, to make a, a non-genuine connection. It has to be genuine. Uh, I want to get to know Brian. Uh, I have business things that I will need to show to him eventually, but um, I'm not going to be able to make that connection unless Brian knows that I want to make that connection versus hoping that you raise your hand. Yeah. So off the heels of that, are there any data related trends or any any like any technologies that are exciting you or keeping or you're keeping an eye on for 2023? Um, you know, it's um, always the year of something. Um, right now, it's going to be all privacy focused technology. Uh, some of it is really helpful. Um, we've heard all about clean rooms, uh, customer data platforms, DMPs, and that's if you go back um, each of the last three years, it was the year of the DMP, the year of the CDP, the customer data platform, the data management platform, and now we're talking safe rooms. Um, really, I think what everybody is after is just a way to um, do what I described at the beginning, understand the data better, uh, bring value to the data. Uh, but at the same time, I think sometimes we get lost in how to capture that data versus how to actually add value to the data. Um, and really, if we bring more parties, more complexity into it, a lot of that value gets lost just because uh, nobody's more interested in their customer data working than the customer. So if you remove uh, the person that can help you by two layers, then um, you're going to have a lot of attrition in terms of useful data coming back to you. Um, so uh, that's kind of me on my soapbox versus answering your question. So <laughs> you might have to ask it again. But um, in terms of the crystal ball or what to expect in 2023, I think um, there's still going to be that emphasis on adding value, um, doing it in a privacy safe and compliant way, monitoring the ever-changing data regulations. Uh, but at the end, there has to be value exchanged for the um, exchange to continue happening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do want to close off with a couple, just a couple high-level questions around lessons lessons learned and and just you know keeping on top of things so the first one i wanted to ask is around your experience with google's data platform and the journey that you've taken uh, you know both as an implementer and and what i assume as a consumer of the products as well but what are what are some of the the goods and bads and the highs and the lows that that you would tell someone who's just starting off their journey implementing something like BigQuery or any one of the Google Cloud data products, what are some things that you would advise them to look out for, both both good and bad, right? That's a good one. So um, in terms of the good, um, you're not having to uh, reinvent the wheel or um, relearn anything. A lot of it um, is uh, what you would expect from um, writing SQL queries or SQL statements. Um, there are some nuances, uh, but they're helpful. Um, so one of the uh, biggest mistakes that we were making early on as a team providing counts was um, ignoring case and uh, reporting to clients that we had zero counts. Uh, so it's just silly things like that where um, 
are you sure you don't have any men in the United States? It's always it's always like a like a missing capital or a comma or a trailing something that always screws everything up. And they're the most difficult to find always. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> there is no way we have zero results. So we uh, stopped taking that as an answer. Um, and, and so, yeah, I guess really uh, that's been. Uh, a, a larger learning is that whenever something seems off or it could be better, it most most oftentimes can be better and we need to look at it uh, deeper. Um, but what um, has really impressed me with um, Google has just been the constant innovation, constant adding of features, being able to leverage uh, publicly available data sets. So if you don't have your own data, you can uh, look at some of those public data sets and um, just practice with it. Um, that's something that uh, I've got an eight and a six year old and just thinking about all the uh, different um, professions that will be in demand, the rising cost of education. I'm, I'm just wondering what that world looks like and feel very fortunate that there are um, programs and there's so much knowledge to be gleaned. It's just a matter of figuring out how to get that spark uh, with them to want to learn it. Um, but I think that um, in terms of just getting started, the, the best step with everything in life is just to start doing something. Uh, yeah, and just dive in, right? Dive in. Yeah, that's <laughs> kind of been the story of my career. Um, I don't know how how I got here um, other than uh, doing making a lot of mistakes uh, in terms of first starting with Excel spreadsheets and having all the time in the world because nobody was really watching me, but also <laughs> using that time to uh, meet good friends. And actually my first job, as you mentioned your first job, Brian, so I'm going to do it now selfishly, uh, met uh, two colleagues that uh, joined Starista in 2013, 2014, respectively, uh, back when it was a 12 person company, uh, but stayed in touch with them and uh, joined Starista at the beginning of 2015 as a data analyst myself. Um, hmm. So basically got uh, my education on the job with regards to writing my own SQL statements, um, figuring out what um, environment was best, learning our data. So doing all of that just on the fly. So you can imagine there were a lot of zero result queries being run on my site as I was <laughs> learning things. But um, we've all been there at some point. <laughs> yeah, but uh, gosh, I got to say um, just what I know and uh, what I now know that I don't know about uh, getting stuff done. Uh, it, it's just night and day and uh, amazing how quickly you can learn. So uh, pretty long winded, especially if you know me, I, I'm not a big, big talker, but uh, <laughs> we could go a number of different directions. So um, talking to me in 2015 is just, I, I guess I would say buckle up, you're going to learn a lot and uh, going to be wrong a lot. But fortunately, with uh, BigQuery versus SQL, you'll have uh, a much quicker correction of that mistake. Yeah, and that's I genuinely always have believed that's that's a very important thing to know as well because learning facts is knowledge and what was it making mistakes and knowing what not to do that's wisdom so you pair those two up and it's infinitely more valuable. Yeah, that's a, a much better way to say it than my ten minute uh, rambling. No, no, no. Last question I wanted to ask is just around uh, people who would love to stay up to date on just data trends and uh, 
the latest and greatest and forward looking. Uh, what are what are some things that you do and you keep up with in order to stay on top of the industry as a whole? I do definitely rely on SADA first and foremost for all of my cloud questions. Um, I rely on our experts um, to ask SADA those questions. Um, but uh, whenever they need someone to uh, put the human spin spin on it, they come to me. So um, you're 100% right, Brian. Whenever it's uh, cloud questions, um, things that uh, help us make decisions uh, from a business perspective, really internal looking, then SADA is our number one resource. Yeah. So those are all the questions that I wanted to get through. I mean, at this point, I'll just give you, I just want to give you the last word, just, you know, any parting thoughts, anything you want to have listeners keep in mind, or if you just want to sign off, that's cool too. Time is yours. No, I, I think um, it's great anytime we can have these connections. So I guess my words of wisdom, something that I've been really focused on is just uh, focusing on on relationships, um, finding a way to um, build the relationships that you currently have, um, go deeper there and um, work on making new ones. Just thinking about that human element and uh, being available if someone reaches out, um, needs your advice um, because it pays dividends, um, not only for that person, but also uh, for you just in terms of your personal happiness. That That's something that uh, I'm really high on and uh, a resolution of mine this year is really just to invest in my personal relationships and be available who for those who want to invest in theirs with me. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad we got to I'm glad we got to chat, spend this time and make a connection here as well. So uh, definitely, definitely words to take back and think about. So I appreciate that. And with that, uh, that's all the time we had. Again, Blaine, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak with us and speak with the viewers as well on just overall, overall thoughts on data, GCP, SADA, and just kind of you know, professional and personal thoughts in general has definitely been a good chat, I felt. And I'm glad we got to glad we got to get this time. Thank you. Yes, me too. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Cool. And uh, thank you to the listeners. If you have any questions or thoughts or comments, please feel free to drop them in the comments below. And of course, hit like and subscribe right down there. So thank you very much. And until next time. Thank you for listening to Cloud and Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app.